Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Over the last year, Americans have heard about an overabundance of available jobs. In Connecticut, open positions in manufacturing have been an issue for a number of years. Hartford Business Journal reported the state needs 6,000 to 8,000 new manufacturing workers each year to properly staff the industry in the near future. The drumbeat from employers and local leaders has been how to attract and train new workers to support an important sector in our state economy. Coming up where we live, we hear from one of those manufacturers and learn about a manufacturing training program at Goodwin University. And we find out more about what's being done to attract more women to the industry, including minority-owned businesses. You can join us. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, my first guests have been involved in manufacturing training programs at local high schools and at Goodwin University. Joining us first on Zoom is Anya Santa Lucia, a manufacturing program student at Connecticut River Academy. That's in East Hartford. And she also attends a program at Goodwin University. Anya, welcome to our show. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So you're a junior at Connecticut River Academy. What got you interested in manufacturing? Um, I've always sort of been interested in manufacturing since I was really little. Um, I mean, I loved Legos growing up. I think everyone who sort of goes into manufacturing like this does. Um, Just like building stuff with your hands and learning how to do that. Um, has always been really intriguing to me. And I also had some really great programs growing up in the area that helped me uh, explore that interest. Now, do you come from a family of of relatives who've worked in manufacturing or are you the first? Uh, I would be the first. My stepfather, uh, Travis, uh, he's in IT. So that's probably the closest. And he's certainly helped me a lot um, exploring sort of manufacturing. But I'd be the first person in my family to go into that. Wonderful. So I mentioned this manufacturing program at Goodwin. So what are you learning? And I understand that you're also earning credits. Uh, yeah. So uh, we have we go over to me and a few other students from Connecticut River Academy. We go over to Goodwin and we uh, learn all the basics of manufacturing. We learn how to work with machines, how to program, uh, how to use CAD and how to um, even just learn like measuring units. You have said earlier that you've always enjoyed building and you like playing with Legos, but I understand that that you and your stepdad actually built a, a desktop computer together. Yeah, we did. I think I was about nine or ten, and we built my computer that I still have as my desktop computer at home. Um, we like bought all the components and we assembled it, and he taught me a lot about what parts go where, how they work, and it was probably one of my first real like oh, this is what I love, experiences. Mm. So tell us about uh, your peers, uh, the fellow students that you have at Connecticut River Academy and then in this program. 
do you feel like of your peers, you're one of the few interested in manufacturing, or what's the take from your from people that you know? Uh, I think there's a lot of people at my school who are sort of interested in the sciences, but I definitely feel like it's a smaller group that's interested in manufacturing and in the manufacturing courses. Um, and yeah, it's it's definitely um, there's people interested and who like love the program and who really go into the program. And then there's some people that just aren't interested at all. And what about the program at Goodwin? Are you one of the only girls in class? In, in my specific class, I am uh, the only girl there. And so uh, what is that like, and I think it was, Um, It's definitely a little nerve-wracking, I think, especially going into it. Um, it's been wonderful. Everyone's sort of been nonplussed by it, but it it's it's definitely something that I have, I have and had a lot of fears about. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this is something you're very passionate about. And so what are your plans, Anya? I mentioned you're a junior. You're doing this uh, training program through Goodwin. And and so what do you want to do in the next several years? Um, I'm definitely interested in exploring manufacturing. I think if I do, I want to go into a lot more of the, like, programming side of it. Um, I really enjoy, like, working with machines and coding and that sort of stuff from manufacturing. And I think this has been really helpful for that. Mm. You mentioned a little bit about fears. So tell us about some of those fears that you have, Anya. Um, there's definitely the sort of not only am I the only like woman in my group, but I'm one of I'm one of the only people of color. So it's like being a woman of color going into that field. It's sort of the sort of like opposite fears of do I like if I'm I have to be perfect, otherwise that'll taint everyone's expect like if I'm not perfect, then like, it's like I'm letting down that community. It's like, I'm afraid that the people that the mostly white men in the like industry will sort of be like, oh, well, that just means like, women of color just aren't that good. And on the opposite side, sort of like, if I if I fail, then it's like, every time I do something good, then it's just like, oh, that was a one off, even if I'm improving or getting better. It's a lot of pressure to feel, Anya. But who are your mentors, and and what are you learning at Goodwin uh, to help you get through those fears, uh, to make you confident that you can do this? Yeah, um, I've had a really wonderful teacher. He's been my teacher um, since last year. He was my teacher last year too, Mr. Mangus, um, here at uh, the Goodwin University. He's been a wonderful teacher. He's always been super helpful and super kind, and like. If I have questions, he doesn't make me feel bad about asking them and like actually sort of is like, that's a good question. And like probably other people in the class have that question, too, and like is super good at like making me feel like I'm not um, like I'm not uh, trying to be the best that I just am good and that that is okay. Mm. but like. He sounds like a good teacher to have, Anya. You're listening to Where We Live as we learn more about uh, some of the manufacturing training programs in our state, uh, efforts by the state and local manufacturers uh, to boost uh, worker numbers, new talent like Anya, who's a junior at Connecticut River Academy, also attends a manufacturing program at Goodwin University. Anya, stay with us on Zoom. I wanted to talk with another uh, young woman uh, who works in manufacturing today. Her name is Sarah Langevin. Uh, Sarah, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me, Lucy. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us about your path into manufacturing. So my path into manufacturing uh, really started in high school. I went to a technical high school, uh, Henry Abbott Tech in Danbury, and took their uh, machining technology for four years. Um, then after that, I went to Naugatuck Valley for their advanced manufacturing program. And through um, being there and uh, some job fairs and things, I ended up with an apprenticeship at Trump. And this is a, a company, uh, this North American headquarters in Farmington. We'll be hearing more from Trump in just a little bit. But tell us what you do exactly, Sarah. So I am a CNC operator. Uh, mainly, I run a five-axis milling machine. Uh, I also uh, run another uh, smaller three-axis milling machine. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do. So it sounds like you're working on the shop floor, so to speak. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> no, we heard we heard Anya saying earlier that this, you know, often we think about manufacturing, it's a male dominated field. So you're a woman working in manufacturing. What has it been like for you? Uh, I mean, there are definitely challenges, but in general, I would say that I've had a very positive experience. Um, I haven't really had to deal with many um like challenges based on the fact that I'm a woman, like everyone's very accepting, very nice and understanding. Um, if I have questions, I know that I can get a straight answer and not get an eye roll and a sigh and somebody walking away from me. Um, if I need help lifting something, I either have a crane or I have a couple guys that I can go and say, hey, I'm so sorry, but can you lift this for me? And it's always, you know, an easy, no problem kind of thing. I understand that you also have family in manufacturing. Tell us about that. Uh, so only my younger sister actually um, is in manufacturing, but she is also fantastic. She works at a company in Newtown, I think called Sonics and Materials, and she is a machinist there um, making like ultrasonic welding components. Wow. So this is really interesting that both you and your younger sister are in manufacturing. And so you talked about a little bit about your path uh, into this industry. I mentioned at the top of the show, we hear often uh, from you know, local leaders and manufacturers that, that you know, they're really struggling to continue to attract new workers. And so as a young person in this field, uh, you know, when you think about your path and, and ways to encourage more young people into the industry, what can you share with us, Sarah? I would say that it's honestly like not as intimidating or scary as some younger women might think that it is. Like, I feel like there's definitely a uh, stigma around manufacturing that's like dirty and loud and crazy, um, a lot of physical work, but it's really not that. Um, you know, like the place where I work is very clean. It's relatively quiet. It's a nice, healthy working environment. Um, and being able to show younger people that this is the reality of companies like Trump and several others uh, is definitely a draw, mm. you know? 
I'm glad you mentioned uh, the stereotype people, what people may think of when they think of manufacturing. It definitely has changed from, from decades ago. I'm also thinking about when young people are considering a career, you're, you want to have a career uh, that has a pathway uh, to more leadership positions and also, of course, uh, good pay. And is that something that, that you have today, Sarah? <laughs> Most definitely. I, uh, I do very well for a 22-year-old. Um. <laughs> well, that's, that's good to hear. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Tell us your salary. But, <laughs> but good, good to hear, Sarah. Uh, Anya, as you're listening to Sarah, do, do you, uh, what, what, what stands out to you as, as hearing another young woman that's in the field today? Uh, it's definitely like she sounds really confident with her job and like that she, she said earlier specifically what's like sort of like was she said that like she if she's not afraid to go ask like people for help and that's something that I'm still struggling with like confidence wise because of like my status as a minority in my classroom. Um, yeah. And Sarah, who were your mentors? Maybe you can mentor Anya. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, honestly. Um, uh, I wouldn't say I have any truly formal mentors, but uh, there are a few people out on the shop floor that I know that I can go to um, with any questions um, who've like been running machines forever and just know so much more um, and are great resources. Um, I also kind of mentor a couple of the apprentices that we have in my department um, because I went through the state apprenticeship program and they will come to me and ask questions about the apprenticeships and uh, certain like things related to that or working at Trump and well, it's good to hear from both of you again, uh, young people working in manufacturing. Uh, you just heard Sarah Langevin, who works at Trump in Farmington, and Anya Santa Lucia, who's a manufacturing program student at Connecticut River Academy High School. And she also takes a program at Goodwin University. Thank you both for telling us a little bit about uh, your career paths and what you're doing today. Good luck to both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up, we're going to hear more about this program at Goodwin University, more about how the state is working to support these efforts. You can join us, too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. 
I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're talking about manufacturing and how the industry is working to attract and train new talent, including boosting the number of women in manufacturing and minorities. There's a lot of money being poured into these efforts. Here's a quick rundown. The Connecticut Manufacturing Innovation Fund Advisory Board recently approved more than $8 million to support new and established programs in the manufacturing sector. That includes an advertising campaign to highlight career opportunities in manufacturing. Also this year, Connecticut was one of only five states to receive a U.S. Department of Labor State Apprenticeship Grant. And the Connecticut Small Business Development Center, hosted at the Yukon School of Business, received one of four federal grants to operate a national advanced manufacturing center. That that grant will give assistance to minority-owned businesses to help them expand. But as we heard from Anya and Sarah, getting workers workers into this pipeline means starting early. Joining us now on Zoom is Matt Dodona. He's Assistant Superintendent of Pathways and Partnerships at Goodwin University's Magnet School Systems. Matt, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. So we heard from Anya. She sounds like she has a bright future ahead of her. And So talk about how you're working with schools across the state to enroll students like Anya into Goodwin's manufacturing program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a big part of, of what we do. Certainly, we have our magnet schools here on our campuses, and we're working to build the programs that we have, encouraging our students, even from an early age in, in the elementary schools, to get into STEM, STEM projects and STEM, STEM opportunities. Um, but part of that work extends beyond just what's on our campus here, being able to work with other local school districts. As early as, as fifth grade, I head up to a program in New Hartford where we're teaching students in fifth grade about 3D printing and CAD and getting them to robotic arms. And then our work continues into high schools, being able to offer some of those dual enrollment courses, as Anya mentioned, um, and even some articulated courses so that they can participate in the experience at their, at their home high school. Tell me more about how the dual enro- enrollment program works. Uh, you know, Anya's earning uh, credit uh, towards uh, a program while she's in high school. And then talk about the pathway for her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we really have two different models. We can have students at their home district. Um, they, they participate in what we call an articulated course. And so it matches all of the standards that we have here for our introduction to manufacturing course. And then they're able to, to earn those three credits at their home high school. The other option here that we have is students can actually come and participate in the courses on our campus, earning those credits. Um, so they're graduating with up to 21 credits in advanced manufacturing from Goodwin, um, while also earning their, um, their high school credits as well. So really kind of giving them a leg up for when they graduate high school and then ready to, to either enter into the workforce after they graduate high school or continue on and um, pursue, pursue a, a more advanced certificate or their associates or bachelors in manufacturing. How long have you been doing this, Matt, at Goodwin? And when you think about the pathway for these students, do you see, is there a percentage that more of them are going right on into uh, work at local manufacturers or are they continuing their, their uh, education? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been in my position now for two and a half years. Prior to that, um, I oversaw an IT and career and tech ed department. Um, and then I was a tech ed teacher for, for six years as well um, and taught courses in manufacturing. So I've kind of been in this realm for um, 11 years now. And for our program here, we're able to really really build out the skills that that our students are needing. Um, and the program has been built over years here at Goodwin through the partnership and uh, with a lot of our local manufacturing companies. And then obviously with our D in the program, Cliff Thermer, we've been able to, to build that program based on what the needs of industry are. So we see our students, certainly some are graduating and going into industry, but our students that are most successful are the ones that are finishing up their 37 credit credential or finishing out that cert certification um, and then entering into the workforce. And many of them are being recruited before they even have that, that final certificate in hand and um, are ready to enter at that point. So tell me more about when local manufacturers are coming to you and your colleagues at Goodwin and they're telling you about the skills they need to see in this new workforce. So what are those skills and, and how are you adapting your program? Yeah, absolutely. So when we speak to the local manufacturers, a lot of it certainly is around the content. Um, you know, as Sarah mentioned, you know, how do you operate a CNC machine? How do you measure what is quality? What is lean manufacturing? So we have all of those components built in. One of the parts that makes our program unique is not just about how do you run the machine, but really the focus that we have on quality and metrology, that precision menu, uh, measurement part of it. So that's a big part. But then the other big thing that we hear from manufacturing companies is around what are called those soft skills or the essential skills. Right. So how well does this person work with other people? How well can they communicate? Can they conduct themselves in a professional manner? And so we really build in a lot of those skills throughout our program and have those expectations of our students while they're with us. We heard Anya say earlier that she's the only girl in her class within this manufacturing program at Goodwin. So that sounds like a challenge, maybe changing perceptions that it's that this kind of work is different from manufacturing 40, 50 years ago and that um, it can be inclusive. Absolutely. And that's that's a big challenge and something since I've come on, we've really tried to um, address that issue head on. Um, and it's it's really been on a, a multiple fronts that we've been able to, to work and increase the number of females. Um, so this year we have 21% uh, of our uh, of the people in the manufacturing pathway are female students. Um, we've been able to accomplish that through um, bringing on, I have a, um, a female tech ed teacher here, uh, Priya Rajapal, that has been absolutely phenomenal. She's done a lot of work with recruiting females um, not only into our manufacturing pathway, but our computer science, starting different clubs after school and really helping to, to inspire our female students that they can do this. So that's one part of it. We've also been working at, at the middle school level to encourage girls at an earlier age to get into these and that they can do this. They can be successful um, and, and they can really make a change and find, as you heard Anya say, find that, find that passion early on. 
And make good money too, right, Matt? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're hearing Matt Dodona here on Where We Live. He's Assistant Superintendent of Pathways and Partnerships at Goodwin University's Magnet School Systems. As we learn more about the efforts to attract new talent into the uh, manufacturing workforce here in our state, you can join us. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Um, before, Matt, don't go away because I wanted to bring you back into the conversation, but I wanted to ask uh, Carrie Valenti uh, to respond uh, to what we've been hearing. She's Connecticut's Manufacturing Apprenticeship Representative that's at the Office of Apprenticeship Training within the Connecticut Department of Labor. Carrie, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. So uh, when we think about uh, the efforts uh, to attract uh, new workers and the, the importance of these apprenticeship programs, can you talk about that and the relationships that your office is building with places like Goodwin? Sure, certainly. Um, you know, manufacturing is a wonderful industry. In, there's 10% of the workplace in Connecticut um, is employed in manufacturing with almost 4,000 manufacturers in the state. Um, I think with the Manufacturing Innovation Fund, we really see the state's effort to support the manufacturers and help them grow their workforce, especially with the aging workforce that we see in this area. Um, we work closely with Goodwin University, as well as the technical high schools, the community colleges, the comprehensive high schools, to let students know that you know manufacturing is very alive and well in this state. Um, and that it's not your grandfather's manufacturing. It's not dirty, dark, and dangerous. Many of these facilities are very clean, very well lit, um, and it's an occupation that women can excel in. When we think about apprenticeship programs and and how you're partnering, the state's partnering with manufacturers, I believe there's a program that uh, you give wage subsidies to. So explain that for us. Sure. Uh, about six years ago, the Manufacturing Innovation Fund Advisory Board um, gave the Department of Labor Apprenticeship Unit uh, $10.8 million. And that money has helped um, manufacturers in the form of a wage subsidy to help offset the cost of training an apprentice. And an apprenticeship program typically in manufacturing can last anywhere between two and four years. And the wage subsidy helped support the uh, manufacturer with up to two years of financial assistance to, to help that apprentice help that apprentice learn. Mm -hmm. And so what are the outcomes? Are you seeing uh, the investment in these apprenticeships paying off in the sense that they're being hired uh, um, after the program ends by these particular manufacturers, Carrie? Definitely, definitely. Of the 800 apprentices that were trained uh, under this fund, all of them obtained a position. So they were all hired um, to be an apprentice. You, there's an employer-employee relationship. So when they were enrolled into the program, the employer already made a commitment to hire them um, and to train them. You know, at the top of the show, I mentioned, I think it's a quote uh, from uh, one of the state leaders in, man in manufacturing, uh, Mr. Cooper. His first name escapes me now, uh, Carrie. But he had told the Hartford Business Journal that, you know, the state needs like 6,000 to 8,000 new workers a year to help these manufacturers uh, continue to grow. Are we making a dent, even, even though you have all this funding and, and programs available? You know, what are some of the challenges that remain? 
Well, I, I think we're definitely making a dent. Um, I think we're seeing, you know, in the in the technical high schools, you're seeing more students who are going into manufacturing. You know, I think when students attend technical high schools, they may have a conception in their mind of what they want to do. And when they get to the school and they see the type of equipment and machinery, I think many of them are changing their mind. Um, so students who may have wanted to choose other careers are now saying, oh, wow, there's manufacturing and it's interesting and it's fun. And um, actually, I have a son who is attending a technical high school. And as a freshman, you know, he went into the manufacturing and he was really impressed um, and, and kind of proud of himself with what he was able to make in a short amount of time. So I think there's definitely getting that interest in manufacturing. Um, Goodwin is, has been doing a great job um, in preparing uh, I guess, letting people know that, you know, manufacturing is a great career. And what do you think about, you know, I, we heard Matt talk about the importance of starting earlier and earlier. So not yes. uh, just, um, you know, conveying the message to high schoolers as they think about, you know, the rest of their life. But uh, for elementary school and, and middle school students to think about this kind of career, to have particular skills or interests that that maybe push them towards manufacturing, uh, you know, describe that system for us. You know, is it fragmented right now where maybe there's some uh, high schools or, or school districts that are more involved in that than others and, and how to make it uh, more uh, widespread? I think there are many schools, you know, I think years ago, a lot of the technical education classes kind of went away um, in the comprehensive high schools, um, maybe for lack of funding. Uh, we're seeing a lot of those programs being added back in now. So middle schools, children are getting into, introduced to things like Matt mentioned, 3D printing and CAD and coding. They're getting introduced to it at a young age and it's piquing their interest so that when they do enter um, high schools, they're looking for those programs to even um, advance their training. And Matt, I wanted to bring you back into the conversation again. Matt Dodona, Assistant Superintendent of Pathways and Partnerships at Goodwin University's Magnet School Systems. The question I had for Carrie, you know, is it fragmented right now? How to attract more school districts to think about these pathways? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, I think a lot of the we're seeing a lot of school districts reaching out to us to be able to participate in some of the programs that I had mentioned, but there's there's a lot of different energy that's happening from different organizations. And so you have the CBIA, the Connecticut Business and Industry Association, you have Ready CT, you have CCAT. There's so much energy around this, but I feel like we all need to get get around the same table and share it and really work together to make, to make some changes here. We recently hosted um, all of our partners here um, the superintendents and district leaders. And instead of trying to help a single school district at a time, you know, let's move together as a group. And I think if we could bring together some of our, our partners that we work with, I think that would really help to, to really, really move the needle here. Mm. Carrie, how do you respond? I, I think Matt's right. Um, you know, there are many organizations in the state of Connecticut that are working uh, in partnership to try to you know, get the word out that, you know, manufacturers need people. Um, and, you know, no matter what sex the person is, no matter what age the person is, is that, you know, these jobs are in demand um, and they can, you know, you can, you can make a great living at these jobs and you don't necessarily need a four-year degree um, to achieve success. 
I'm glad you brought that up, Carrie, because when I think about these apprenticeship programs, you know, are they an alternative to the, the four-year degree? Are you seeing, uh, Matt, you can chime in too, you're seeing more students skipping the what we consider the traditional college route and, and going from these apprenticeship programs maybe more to trade school and then being employed at manufacturers? Carrie, I'll go to you first. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that where, you know, I think years ago it was, you know, if you if you were going to high school, um, even parents and, and the students would say, okay, you know, after high school, I have to go to college if I want to be successful, if I want to make a good living. And now we're saying, well, that's not necessary. Um, you can you can have a great career. You can be an electrician. You can be a CNC programmer. You can be a quality assurance technician. These are all programs that don't require a college degree. And you can, instead of going into debt by going to college, you can go into these jobs and you can start making a living as soon as you, as soon as you start. Mm-hmm. Matt? It, it, yeah, I, I agree. I want to echo a lot of those sentiments. I, the students that are not four-year college bound are the students that I'm most passionate about helping. Um, I recently worked with a group of students that um, were part of our senior academy which was provided some funding through the ACI and Connecticut uh, workforce partners to be able to have our students graduate with 21 credits in their senior year. Some of them then continued on to finish out the certification. We recently went out to a a manufacturing company in Bloomfield and those students got um, hired up at, up at that company. So being able to, to take them through that. And so many of my students get excited that there's an alternative where they can have a high skill, high paying job and not have to pursue that four year college degree and certainly not having the college debt helps an incredible amount. Can you give me an idea when we think about average salary for for some of these young people? What can you tell us, Matt or Carrie? Yeah, so we we see some of our students graduating, you know, our our students graduating are, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, They're walking into careers, um, you know, starting at 20 to $25 an hour. Um, and Carrie, you may be able to, to give some of the better numbers, but I believe the average salary for manufacturing right now is, is around 85,000. And, and we see our students starting, you know, about 50 to $60,000 a year. Carrie. Yeah, I would agree with what Matt's saying. Um, you know, these are very high paying jobs and, you know, walking in at, you know, 15 or $20 an hour is not unheard of. And the fact that they have the ability to earn more as they as they learn is, I think, a wonderful component. So hearing all of this, Matt and Carrie, you know, what is the obstacle uh, that, that to keep people and uh, young people from from entering uh, this uh, workforce? What would you say that, that one obstacle is? Is it perceptions of manufacturing or thinking that, you know, that they, they may not have the right skills for the job, Matt? I think a big part of it is the perception and that's not only coming from our students, but also some of the families that have, you know, an older view of what manufacturing is um, kind of as Carrie mentioned. So definitely the perception piece and and we're trying to address that by having open houses and having informational sessions for our families and students just to kind of up the awareness and, and and realize what an amazing opportunity manufacturing presents to, to them. Mm. Carrie from the state level, what would you say? Yeah, I, th- I think there is a still a stigma attached to manufacturing, and I don't real I don't think people realize how far advanced it has become over the past several years. Um, and just kind of opening their eyes and letting them know that you know manufacturing is very vibrant in this state. Uh, I think you know 
I don't think we realize that there are so many companies and we drive by these buildings every day, but we don't really know what's happening there. And Connecticut produces so many things, whether it be aerospace components, medical components, submarine components, um, but just maybe taking away that stigma and letting them know that manufacturing has changed. You've been hearing Carrie Valenti here on Where We Live. She's with the Department of Labor. She's Connecticut's Manufacturing Apprenticeship Representative at the Office of Apprenticeship Training. Carrie, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And Matt Dodona was also here, Assistant Superintendent of Pathways and Partnerships at Goodwin University's Magnet School Systems. Matt, a pleasure to hear from you as well. Thank you so much for having me, Aya. This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We heard Carrie mention the many manufacturers in our state. We're going to hear from one of them right after the break. You can join us, too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. Now, the supply chain workforce is made up of workers who manufacture, store, and ship goods. In a survey, Stanford-based consulting company Gartner finds more than four out of 10 members of this workforce are women, an increase since 2020, but there's a lack of career opportunities. That's the biggest challenge in retaining mid-career women, and just 15% of executive positions in manufacturing are held by women. Joining us now on Zoom is Christine Benz. She's from Trump, a German high-tech company in the fields of machine tools and laser technology. Its North American headquarters is in Farmington. Christine, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. So tell me about your background. I asked the, the young women earlier in the show about their path. And so what was your path, Christine? So I started my career um, in Germany as an apprentice. And I decided some years after completion of the apprenticeship program to study, go back to university. And I came to Trump in Farmington, Connecticut as a student, worked for a few years um, in laser R&D transitioned with the product we developed into operations, um, then from operations into service. And for the last eight years, I was responsible for Trump's training center, um, where we bring in customers, our field service engineers, and our employees and apprentices and teach them everything they need to know about our height tech equipment. Mm. So tell me more about that training, because we were talking earlier uh, with Matt and just hearing from the young women about uh, the, the training that they're learning at, say, a community college or a, a high school and then this manufacturing program uh, at Goodwin. But when you're talking about uh, training within Trump, uh, what do you mean exactly? And what are the skills that, that you're helping uh, future workers continue to learn? Um. So the equipment or the products we produce here at Trump um, requires a very high um, and in-depth Trump-specific knowledge. 
knowledge. So this is knowledge very specific to the products we produce. And we invest a lot of time and effort in teaching our employees everything they need to know. Our field service engineers, for example, travel all around North America to install, repair, and maintain equipment and our customers. And every single um, field service engineer goes through a training program that lasts for several months. So we invest a lot of time and effort in educating and training our workforce. Um, some of the positions um, we need to fill are very hard for us to fill. And uh, we target these um, um, uh, jobs with apprenticeship programs. You had Carrie um, from the Department of Labor on the show also. She helped us tremendously developing our apprenticeship program, um, which targets um, these hard to fill positions for us. Mm -hmm. And the graduates that go through the apprenticeship program are really off to um, a great start into their career with us. And so that apprenticeship program, that collaboration with the state, Trump is receiving a wage subsidy to help with these apprentices? Exactly. So we tap into the Manufacturing Innovation Fund um, that covers part of the um, hourly wage for our apprentices throughout their two-year program. And it reimburses us um, for the college tuition we pay for our apprentices. Mm. And of the apprentices, you know, how many of them are women at Trump? So we had the apprenticeship program started in 2012, so almost 10 years ago. It has been continuously growing throughout the year, um, and two of the apprentices were female. So. Um, there is still a long ways to go. I would like to see significantly more females um, going through our program, but two is a beginning and, and a success. And you had um, Amanda on the show earlier. She is one of our manufacturing superstars here at Trump. Mm. Do you mean Anya or Sarah? Oh, Anya, yeah. yeah. Anya, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good to hear that, you know, um, there's an effort to improve those numbers, but you know, you're a woman and you became an apprentice. And so what do you think needs to change to attract more women to this field, Christine? Um, I think Matt alluded to this a little bit when he mentioned a female tech ed teacher um, that had a big effect on um, attracting females into manufacturing uh, programs. And I think um, he has a very uh, important point there. Um, we need female role models in manufacturing um, to help attracting more females into this field. Um, it is to me very encouraging to see um, the many females um, that really had and have an exciting career here at Trump. Um, so we have uh, women in senior leadership positions, and I think that sends a very important um, signal um, to other females and encourages them to give manufacturing a chance when they consider uh, possible careers for them. Mm. 
you're from Germany and you came here and are working at Trump, a German company. What lessons uh, can uh, America learn from a place like Germany when it comes to the success of trade schools there? And, you know, again, the struggle to find uh, new workers in this industry, Christine. Yeah, what we see when we look, you know, as a North American manufacturer across the pond um, to Germany, um, we uh, look with quite some envy on the many apprentices they have. Um, In Germany, about 50% of high high school graduates decide to enroll in an apprenticeship program. And um, the other 50% of high school graduates attend colleges and universities. So um, apprenticeship programs are much, much larger on a much larger scale and apprenticeship programs are also very highly valued. So it's um, here in the U.S. apprenticeship programs might still have a little bit the taste of, um, you know, second um, level education and not so, and, and the gold star is still a four-year degree at a college or university. That is different in Germany. Apprenticeship programs are highly valued, a great start into a career. And um, I would like to see that change in the U.S. too. Those are important uh, facts that you just shared with us, uh, Christine. Again, you're hearing Christine Benz here on Where We Live. She works at Trumpf, the German high-tech company in the fields of machine tools and laser technology. It's North American headquarters here in Farmington. Uh, Christine, uh, I I, I should also mention that you're a part of women in manufacturing, the Connecticut chapter. And so tell me about the other women in this this, uh, organization and, and what you're learning from them in the sense of being more collaborative and, and to attract uh, other peers? Yeah, um, I think it's very um, important the role organizations as women in manufacturing play in changing that. Matt called it the older view of what manufacturing is. Um, I had um, uh, the pleasure to attend, you know, Connecticut Women in Manufacturing chapter events and also national events organized by uh, women in manufacturing. And it is really encouraging and inspiring to meet people from across the U.S., uh, women from across the U.S. who choose to make manufacturing their um, career. And they are highly successful in doing so. So I think the role organizations like women in manufacturing play in attract more women into the field can be um, underestimated. Mm. And when we think about uh, challenges to upward mobility uh, for women who are in manufacturing, who start on the shop floor and want to work their way up, uh, we also think about the family decisions that often rest on uh, a woman's shoulders when it comes to having children and thinking about how to balance that. Can you talk about that at all, Christine? Yeah, I think um, this is uh, something um, Trump does very well. And it might also stem a little bit from the fact that um, Trump is a family business and the owner of Trump is female, mother uh, to four kids. And I really think she instilled um, a company culture that focuses on 
on allowing parents to do a good job at home and at work. Um, so Trump focuses on giving parents the flexibility they need um, to raise kids and still do a good job um, um, at Trump. So we really enjoy a company culture where it is okay to say, for example, I have to leave early on Thursday afternoons because I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team, or I will be late in the morning because it's my turn to drop off the kids at school. So giving employees the flexibility they need to be parents is, is very important. And um, I think especially during times of COVID, where many organizations had to switch to remote work or hybrid work models, we have learned that it is possible to give employees um, some much more flexibility than we would have thought possible years ago. Mm. You're talking specifically about your experience at Trump, but when we think about manufacturing uh, uh, industry-wide, uh, you know, is there still work to be done uh, to address some of these work-life balance challenges, Christine? Oh, absolutely. I think if we, you know, we as Trump try to attract new talent into the field. What we see very often is two very big hurdles for especially young candidates to, to take is transportation and um, child, child care. And um, I think with these challenges, what we need is the state educators and the private sector to really work closely together um, to find solutions to these hurdles for people that might be interesting in a career in manufacturing, but need help with childcare, transportation, and the flexibility they need to make um, everything work. Mm. Uh, before we end, uh, Christine, we talked about how apprenticeship programs are uh, viewed in uh, Germany, and we heard from Matt earlier about the importance of STEM education much earlier than high school. And do you see that also in Germany with uh, younger students versus waiting until uh, the, the teen years uh, to try to lure them into a certain career? Oh, yeah, there are many organizations that really encourages companies like Trump to work with elementary schools. So they go and visit elementary schools. They work on small projects with kids. And it's really interesting to see or fun to see how proud um, the elementary school kids are when they show their parents the little piece they manufactured or made in the classroom with the support of manufacturers. So instilling that interest um, into a career in manufacturing early on is very important. Well, we really appreciate your time. It's been really interesting to learn about your career and what you do. Uh, Christine Benz, again, head of training at Trump, uh, the North American headquarters based in Farmington. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today's show produced by Sujatha Srinivasan. Our technical producer is Kat Pastor. We'll be back tomorrow. Mm-hmm.